You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is John Stapleton, and today I want to cover a topic that, in my estimation, is pretty fun. Um, I'm going to be talking about Bible translations, and this is not a formal, educated discussion. This is just me speaking candidly about my journey through the different translations of the Bible that I've liked at various times. And we may do, uh, we're probably due for an episode in the future where I cover more serious things like uh, formal versus dynamic, textual criticism, all those things. Uh, But I just want to share with you my story. And uh, if you've ever been like, uh, there are so many Bibles, Uh, I'm on the Bible app, I'm at Barnes and Noble, Uh, I see that there are tons of Bible translations that I just don't know what to pick. I hope that my journey will help you as you find that Bible translation uh, for yourself. So I started reading when I was six years old. In fact, the Bible is actually how I learned how to read. My mom gave me a Bible when I was six years old. It was the NIV translation, and, um, and that translation was beloved. I, I, I read the gospel accounts. I read the crucifixion, resurrection accounts first, read Matthew 24. Um, and then my mom growing up would, uh, uh, would quote various proverbs to me. And it would be a scavenger hunt to find the things that she would often quote from the Bible. And so the NIV was a great introductory to me. I felt like it was a big step up from the, the children's picture Bible. And, um, and, and I felt like, wow, I'm, I'm doing real Bible study. Because I, I remember my, my mom, would uh, she would read out the King James Bible and she'd have her concordance. Uh, the NIV and the Amplified were, uh, were her second and third options. And, um, and it, was, it was just what she did. And I wanted to do that. And so I started with the NIV. And I remember my next Bible, I was, I was, I was in, I was going into fourth grade that summer. I was at the outreach community center in Kell stream in a summer program, and they were giving out the new living translation. And so that was actually the first Bible I read cover to cover Genesis through revelation. And it was very easy to understand really great for me as a kid. But as I got older, I, um, I, I got into middle school, and this is when I stumbled upon Reformed theology. I, I, um, I was a, a, in a Wana club at, at my church, and, uh, and it was around Easter time. They had a table um, <clears throat> with John Piper's book, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. And that was my introductory uh, introduction into Reformed theology. And, of course, with that, I found out about the ESV. That's what they were using in our children's ministry. I eventually uh, joined Oasis, which was um, the, the, the junior high ministry at Community Fellowship in West Chicago. And uh, the ESV would, would be my next Bible translation for 15 years. Uh, in fact, to this day, if I were to quote the Bible to you, it w- you would probably hear the ESV. Um, I, I love that translation. And uh, it, it's great because it's modern. It's from uh, what many scholars would say are the ancient, most reliable manuscripts. And it is in the tradition of King James. Um, so you have the King James and then you have um, the RV, the Revised Standard 
um, or sorry, the revised version, and then the revised version uh, turn into the American Standard Version, and and then later the revised Standard Version, and then the ESV back in 2001 was a 7% change edition, rendition, should I say, of the RSV. There were some problematic verses uh, like Isaiah 7.14 and 1 John 2.1. Right, you have young woman instead of virgin. You have expiation instead of propitiation. Those are some huge theological renderings uh, that they corrected, and then uh, they did another update in 2011 and one more in uh, 2016. Uh, but for the most part, it, it's 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 um it's a great translation um, that that's that's in that tradition. It does push the envelope though um, a little bit. And, uh, and this is where, um, I'll get into that. So I, I get married uh, in 2018, and Sarah and I moved to Joliet. And uh, this is when we go to Crossroads, uh, a local church here in Joliet, and, uh, and they use the NIV. And so I got reacquainted with the NIV, and it became, for the longest, I, I used the ESV, uh, but then I started getting more and more involved, and you know when you're when you're um, when you're given Bible study opportunities, teaching opportunities, leading small group, you just want to honor the church and make sure everybody's on the same page. And so I've been using the NIV; it's just the translation I can't get away from. Um, but the NIV is one of those translations that's that practices dynamic equivalence. Uh, it's right there in the middle, and I'm. Um, every Bible reader is different. You got to read the Bible and, and figure out what you want out of your Bible translation. For me, I really value the precision of the text. I don't want the big idea. I don't want the, well, it's kind of like this. I, I want as close as we can um, to what the original said. There, there are some translations, and there is a huge debate about this, but, but honestly, there's some translations that reflect what the text said, and then there are other translations that dive into what it could have meant. And I don't, I, I want to stay away from speculation. I get that, you know, sometimes the literal re- renderings could lead to mis- uh, mis- misunderstanding, but it's on our, it's our responsibility as Bible students, Bible readers to, be serious about the practice of hermeneutics and make sure that we're doing this discipline correctly. So yeah, and then around that time, I, I checked out the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. It's a revision of the Holman Christian Standard Bible from 2005. And uh, it's a it's a translation that's a lot like the NIV. And so if you want a compromise between the ESV and the NIV, the CSB is a good translation. Um, and then recently, I just I spent more time with the NIV, and it, it really uh, there's a great book that Leland Riken uh, wrote called uh, "The Word of God in English," and, and and this is where he champions. It's not a King James only book. I will never be that, uh, but it is a book that champions formal equ- equivalency over dynamic uh, translations, and um, and there's a certain like literary beauty. Um, that, that also goes with the formality of translation because, in a way, Hebrew and Greek also have their lyrical languages, Hebrew more so than Greek. Um, but it, it doesn't read like, you know, it doesn't read like a post on Facebook, it doesn't read like street slang. Uh, the Bible is a book that is commonly understood by the common person, uh, but it's not vulgar. It's not crass. It's it's a little elevated in its style. And so I want a translation that, that reflects that. And uh, and so I, I, I started looking at the New King James and the NASB um, for something that's a bit more formal than the ESV. 
as I said, the the ESV tends to push the envelope in some places, and and if you want, I can I can do a video later. I can do a podcast episode later where I'm I'm going through uh, some examples of this. But this brings me to today. Um, so at the start of 2024, uh, I was I was just figuring out what's my plan for this year. Um, how am I going to study the Bible? How, or really, how am I going to read? I'm always studying the Bible, but how am I going to read it? Right? I, I need a, a separate uh, occasion where I'm I'm studying the Bible, and a, another occasion where I'm just reading it for consumption and memorization uh, as a devotional. And and so um, my family's doing a, a, a one year Bible reading plan. I join them, and uh, and on the Bible app, I don't know, just something just switched in me this year. I wanted to try out the King James. Um, the thing is I've been reading the ESV for 15 years and the, I love the ESV because it's in that lineage. And so why not read the King James? And so I just, I, I, I started reading it and I fell in love with the language. I, I, I love it. Um, and, um, and it's, it's great. And I'll even say this too. I'm not a King James only person, but I am sympathetic to some of those, uh, some of the arguments for the the TR, the Textus Receptus, or the majority text, and or the majority text. Um, before I was so dogmatic that it cannot be this, uh, but now I'm I'm going. You know what? They're they're both arguments are are pretty convincing and pretty winsome. Um, it, I, I will say there is a, an embarrassing amount of majority, the majority of, of scholars today, um, uh, you know, they prefer the text from Alexandria. They, per, they prefer the text that the modern translations by and large are translated from. By the way, when you're picking a translation, it's not always, oh, formal versus dynamic. Uh, you also have to start with what manuscripts are they trans, uh, translating from? But again, that's another topic for a different day. Uh, but anyway, I decided, you know what, the King James is going to be my Bible, at least for a while. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in all the other major um, evangelical translations. There's a translation that's made like every year. And so uh, you go on the Bible app, uh, version, and there's just a lot that I won't even look at because it's not, they're not popular. And, um, and quite frankly, if they're not popular, they're, they're not good. Um, there's a lot of good Bible translations, and there's a reason why. Um, they're well known. Some of them not so much. Um, but again, your your ESV, your New King James, your your New Living Translation, your NIV, your King James, like these are the the main translations that I'm talking about. And um, and I, I have eleven reasons why I'm going to be reading from the King James uh, personally and on the podcast. I I want to share this resource with you. I know some some of you don't like the King James. Don't worry. I I know there's old English in there, and it's my uh, my aim to explain um, the, the the text whenever it's not as clear, but it's just a good Bible that I, I feel like a lot of people have unnecessarily rejected. And here's 11 reasons why I love it. One, it's not constantly updated. The ESV, as I said, it, it, it had an update in 2011 and 2016. And if you're someone that keeps your Bibles for years, um, most people do, most Christians do, 
um, you might run into another Christian that's reading the ESV and the, the text is slightly different. That's a little frustrating, especially if you're a pastor and you're running a congregation uh, and you're trying to figure out what translation you're going to use and what translation is really going to be in the language of the people, right? Um, number two, uh, Old English distinguishes between you singular and you plural. Thou is you singular and uh, you is you plural. And in our modern English, that's something that we actually miss. So you might be reading the New King James, but the New King James doesn't do that because it's modern English. It took those out. Um, number three, gives more place to the deity of Christ in the Trinity, like in places like 1 John 5, 7. And again, a lot of people say, yeah, the Johannine uh, comma is, is, is that plagiarized verse in the Old Test, uh, the New Testament. Um, and, and I would say even without that, like you can still prove the doctrine of the Trinity even without that verse. Um, but it, 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 you read it, it, it's more, it does that. It does that a little bit more than let's say the Alexandria text. Number four, the Old Testament consistently translates the Hebrew instead of the Septuagint. So the Septuagint is the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament. The ESV often tends to quote or, or put the Septuagint rendering in the text, not even in the footnote, in the text, uh, wherever the Hebrew is supposedly unclear. And um, and so if you don't like that, the King James is better. New King James is better. Uh, number five, it's beautiful and brief lyrical styles compelling. Number six, it's essential, essentially literal translation. Uh, no translation is word for word exact because if you if you ever picked up an interlinear, that's what a, that's what a word for word is. What we want is a formal translation. We want a translation that preserves the form of what was written, right? I mean, some people would say that meaning and form are, are can be separated, and you can't. If if you've ever written anything, you know this is not true. The form embodies the meaning. If you even is something as simple as like paragraphs, I want them to read this and know this first, and then this, and even how the paragraph is built out. It's like here's the main idea, and then here are the the supporting ideas. Form is everything, and if you tamper with the form, you change the text. Number seven, enduring language that influence later translations are in the King James. Um, things like counted all joy. Um, right uh like there are several there are several phrases i'm drawing a blank there are several phrases though in the king james tradition that have endured words like behold um and and so that is even like why not read the translation that your parents read and that influenced their parents and their parents and their parents like when you get into church history, for example, it connects you with people with, like Charles Hedden Spurgeon. Uh, they're quoting from the King James. And some people would say, well, that's the only Bible they had. But, yeah, and they all used it. The church at one time spoke the same language because they had the same Bible. Number eight, it's great for using uh, in apologetics to cults. And, uh, and the reason why that is, is because most of them are King James only. 
And so they're not going to respect you if you like quote the ESV or something like that. That's uh, that's an evangelical translation, right? Um, and so if you have the King James, they tend to respect that a bit more. Number nine, it's a translation that is not influenced by the postmodern world and political correctness. Uh, this is a bit more of a controversial kind of uh, conspiratory point, uh, but I, I, I like to give some credence to it. Um, there is less political correctness in the King James. Some people would call it crude, um, but it, 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 it didn't... It didn't worry about well, we got to be gender accurate, and we gotta we gotta you know we gotta make sure that you know the verses don't sound um, like like the like for example the book of Jude. We gotta make sure the book of Jude doesn't sound so um, you know damning, right? Like <clears throat> I'm I'm at a point in my journey with the Bible where I just I want it straight, and I don't. I don't want somebody to, to soften it if it doesn't need to be softened. Um, that's just my personal opinion. And number 10, some argue very well that the textual basis um, that the King James used is closer to the time of the apostles um, than the, the manuscripts from Alexandria. There's an argument for that. Um, and I'm still not convinced that the oldest manuscripts are... Um, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that they are the oldest manuscripts, the ones from the King James tradition, the majority text, um, but I'm still learning more about it. And then 11, a lot of church history quotes from the King James. I already alluded to this. Again, one of my heroes is Char- Charles Head and Spurgeon. Um, and so I, I like reading that translation. It's a, it's a beautiful translation. It's an authoritative version of the Bible. And uh, I know it's got its flaws like all translations do. Um, but I, I'd rather point those out when I get there. I, I would do that in any translation that I'm in because it doesn't really matter what the King James or the NIV or the ESV says. It matters what the Greek says. And, um, and again, I understand the whole thing about, well, the Greek is either the Texas Receptus, the majority, or the Alexandrian. Um, but I would just say this, there is 95% agreement between those families of texts and the, the minor details. There's no point of doctrine that's missed uh, when, you, when, when you, let's say, use the Alexandrian text. Like I've been using ESV for 15 years. Um, the ESV helped me get to my conclusion that there is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One substance, three persons, right? I can get to that doctrine in, in numerous other passages than, let's just say, First John five seven, what some commentators derogatively call the Johannine Canon, or sorry, the Johannine comma. So, I just want to say I'm not King James only. I love the translation. I'm going to use it. Uh, I'm going to use it on my channel. Um, I'm going to be using other translations as well. Sometimes I believe other translations simply say things better or clearer. So I will, uh, I, I will exercise my liberty in the translations, but pro- perhaps for the most part, I'll be using King James uh, or even the New King James. Um, the ESV still holds a dear place in my heart. It really does. Uh, I've been using it for over a decade, um, but I think it's time for me to change. So God bless I hope this was a fun conversation. I will see you next time. We're starting the book of Galatians. um, And so I will, I will, I will, um, we'll be looking at that probably Wednesday. God bless. Grace and peace. I'll see you next time.